Welcome to Today on Broadway for Wednesday, May 1st. It's gonna be May uh, 2019 on Broadway World's Matt Tamanini. How can this be Wednesday, May 1st? We just did this. I know. And it was <laughs> April, April 30th. the last time, the we, last did. time yeah. we did it. It was April. And I'm uh-huh. Broadway star James Marino. <laughs> Yeah, second time recording in a day, James, but oh, what a day it's been. There's been so much that's oh, happened, so much craziness. Um, I feel like I've aged like a decade in the past, whatever, less than 12 hours since the last time we spoke. Um, and let's, let's, let's just get into the first thing, James. I want to start the show by talking about everything that's happened around the Tony Awards since then. I'm, and I'm going to start before we get into like the nominations and, you know, maybe even predicting winners or whatever. I, I just want to say something. And it's not dissimilar from things that like you have said recently. And, and you mentioned um, the episode of the O Henry report that I was on with Oliver and something he said about be more chill. I just, I was really kind of shocked and a little dismayed by how much gloating that I saw on social media today, not just by fans or not even not even really from members of shows, but like from like theater people and journalists about how happy they were that certain shows weren't nominated. And sure, if you find a show extremely problematic, I understand why um, you might not like it, but to revel in the misfortune of others seems like a really bad look. And it really struck me at how intense it was uh, on, on Tuesday. And I was really taken aback by it because of course there's always a bit of snark that goes on on theater, social media. And trust me, I, part of my job is looking at the Broadway world message board. So I know the snark is there, but for my very small, fairly cultivated social media feed, I was taken aback by how much people were reveling And just for an example, the fact that Scott Rudin's To Kill a Mockingbird did not get a nomination for Best Play. Now, there are a lot of people, especially theater commentators of color, who find that play problematic, which I totally understand. If you find a show problematic, like I've mentioned Tootsie uh, as well, that's fine. Find it problematic. But the way that they were uh, enjoying it um, bordered on – I mean it, it, it didn't border. It crossed into personal. And uh, that seemed off-putting to me. And I'm not somebody to police other people's feelings or responses. Do the, do what you've got to do. It just it it felt disappointing to me since there was so much to celebrate that that's how they were choosing to spend the day. I think I might have an explanation for this. Okay. And uh, I am not without sin. And you know, certainly I've taken our our joke about. Uh, uh, Daddy long legs. Daddy long legs. A little too far, <laughs> and I and I, I'm you know certainly am guilty of that. I, I think that it is um, uh, a, a self fulfilling prophecy or an echo chamber. If you have a problem with a show like a Mockingbird or something like that, which I don't, I loved Mockingbird, but if you have a problem with Mockingbird and then uh, they feel as though that they've been heard by. Uh, Mockingbird not really not receiving a best play nomination and 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 it's in an, it's in a guttural and emotional reaction and the internet is poison you know it, it, there's no filter there's no and you can't take it back once that bubble is out of your head and onto the screen so I I, I can understand that um, that emotional reaction I I think you know. Uh, 
calmer heads prevail and uh, in, in the days after the nominations, we'll have a more reasonable response to various different um, uh, pieces of news, whether it be, uh, you know, what happens in Tony Awards or a drama desk or out of critic circle or a theater world awards or all this stuff of this season. This is, uh, it's an emotional release. And I, and I think that as much as excitement and happiness happens, there is some sort of uh, feeling of justification of the earlier feelings of, of their, of what they thought about these shows. Yeah. And, and like I said, I do not begrudge anybody from voicing their concerns about problematic productions or problematic producers or whatever. That's not that's not the point. It's just that it, it seemed to cross some lines. And what what bothered me almost as much, if not more, James, is that many people were projecting their thoughts and not this is not just about the the topics that I discussed, Hootsie and uh, To Kill a Mockingbird, but also into things like the fact that Be More Chill only got one nomination and some other things as well. People were projecting their own thoughts for disliking those shows onto the nominating committee, which I almost found even more offensive because what they were saying was that of these 48 people, and including some fairly bold-faced names like uh, Jerry Dixon and Tim Fetterly and Scott Frankel and Katori Hall and Ann Harada and Brandon Jacobs Jenkins, uh, Michael John Lacusa, Priscilla Lopez, Martina Mayuk, uh, Jessica uh, Molaski, uh, Daphne Rubin Vega, Paul Rudnick, um, Randy Skinner, and, and more are basically saying that they were allowing politics to influence their nominations. And I'm not talking about like politics in terms of like Democrat Republican politics. I'm talking about theatrical business yeah. inner workings mm -hmm. politics. Um, and, and I think that's doing them a disservice. The Tony Awards made a concerted effort a number of years ago when they overhauled the nominating committee to make it incredibly artist focused. Um, you have producers on there, but most of the people involved are artists, composers, choreographers, actors, directors, writers, costume designers. I, I, so I think to say that, oh, this should show Scott Rudin, he can't be a jerk or his show is not going to get nominated, which I saw, um, really, really is kind of a slap in the face to these 48 nominators who have a painstaking job, an awesome job and one that I very much would like to be a nominator for something at some point. So hit your boy up. But um, I, I think I feel like that was disrespectful to those people and the work that they put in over the last season. Um, so it just bugged me. And and I'm probably completely off base here. And maybe I just don't understand what's going on. But it just felt like in a day that we should be celebrating everything that was nominated and ruminating on things that didn't. I'm all for being bummed that things didn't get nominated it just felt like we were taking those emotions whether they were happy or sad and turning them into anger and vitriol which i felt was unnecessary so i i, I it might have just been me as i was feverishly working all day just peeking over at social media and seeing certain things but it just felt it, it was it was disappointing to me today james i can understand that all right. Well, let's move into our recap of the Tony Award nominations. All right. So um, just in terms of recaps, I wanted to chat you and I about some things that uh, maybe stuck stuck out to us. And every year I do a fun fact type thing, type of article for Broadway World. It's one of the few articles I do anymore over at Broadway World. But I find some facts and some stats and I cultivate some things from social media. Um, 
have some great stuff from folks like Adam Feldman. Of course, the interval, they're always part of this um, article. A, a guy named Ben Zosmer, who is at Ben's Oscar math. Um, he's a math, a, a Harvard mathematician, and he comes up with formulas for all this stuff. He had 73 trivia things from for the 73rd Tony Awards. But um, this this one I, I found on my own and did the research on my own. Um, so this year, we mentioned it when the nominations came out, James. There are two categories in which m multiple shows, two shows, have multiple nominees. Those are the best actor in a featured role in a musical and best actress in a featured role in a musical. What I did was I went and looked back in those two specific categories at how many times that has happened before, how many times two shows have had multiple performers in the same category. So it's happened twice before in the actress category in 1987 with Les Mis and 2000 with Contact. Uh, in 1987, Francis Raffel from Les Mis won. In 2000, Contact, Karen Ziemba won. Now, keep in mind that there were, in 1987, there were two nominees from Les Mis, two nominees from Me and My Girl, and one other nominee. 2000, Contact, two from Contact, two from Swing, and one other nominee. In both of those cases, one of the people from those double-nominated shows won. Moving over to the actor category, 1960, Tom Bosley won for Fiorello. There were two nominated from Fiorello, two from The Sound of Music. 1969, Ron Holgate won for 1776. He was one of two nominated for Featured Actor. How was William Daniels nominated for Feature Actor? He is the lead in 1776. Mm -hmm. Thank you very much. But two were nominated for Promises, Promises. 1776 won. 2001, the producers uh, had three, uh, uh, and Gary Beach won. Andre DeShields, who was nominated this year in the same situation, uh, was one of them. 2003, Dick Latessa won for Hairspray, uh, while Moving Out had two, and, and Hairspray had two. So what I'm getting at, James, of the six times that it's happened in these two categories combined, there has not been that split vote that we talked about yesterday morning with the person who was not part of the double-nominated show's coming through and winning. So when we talked about the fact that, um, uh, you know, maybe someone like Andy Grotolution might sneak in between Andre DeShields yeah. and Patrick Page and Jeremy Pope and Ephraim Sykes, that very well might happen. But that is not what history tells us. Um, so that's super interesting. And I thought that was um, something cool to, to think about. Also, Jeremy Pope becomes the first actor uh, to ever be nominated in acting categories for both a play and a musical in the same season. It's actually only happened once before. Dana Ivey did it in 1984 uh, for Heartbreak House and Sunday in the Park with George. They're the only two performers to ever be nominated for an acting Tony in a musical and an acting Tony in a play in the same season. So you know, lots uh, of fun. Go ahead. Audrey just said, hold my beer. <laughs> Audra, yeah, Audra's going to get one for Frankie and Johnny in the Florida Lee, and uh, then she's going to go out and do a mu musical next year. And she might even do two musicals and two plays next year just to say, yeah, this is this is this is my world. I think she can direct and produce and musical direct and uh, yeah. and sound design. And well, hold on. Musical direct. Musical direction oh, is not right. a Tony eligible category. That's right. Yeah. Um, Yet. Um, so lots of fun stuff in there. Um, and something else I wanted to mention, James. Um, so let me see if I can find this quote here. Um, so, OK. So uh, every year, all of the theater sites do. They talk to Tony nominees and get quotes or whatever. Uh, our friend Julie Musback, um, she 
pulled the uh, the the wonderful straw of talking to Amber Gray. In fact, I think she wanted to wrestle Alan Henry just to make sure she could <laughs> talk to Amber Gray. And here's what Amber Gray told her about her Tony nomination. Quote, I am in the pediatric ICU with my family. My son has a cold gone wrong, but he'll be okay. Everything is fine. The nurses knew last night that the Tony nominations were today, so they woke me up this morning and turned on CBS. When they didn't announce my category, we rushed to connect to the Facebook Live and got to see it there. It's just magical and deeply humbling. And um, then it goes on to talk about it. But it, talk about the highs and lows of being a performer. You get a Tony nomination after you've spent the night in the hospital with your son in the pediatric ICU. She went on to um, to make sure that Julie knew that everything was fine. It was just, you know, uh, in an abundance of caution. But Man, talk about the the highs and lows uh, of being a life as a working actor as well as a mother. Yeah, you know, <laughs> all of parenthood is a bunch of highs and lows. <laughs> there's no middle. There's no it's, middle ground in this. That's a great example of it, and uh, that's why I don't have kids. Yeah. Oh my goodness, I, I feel for her. I totally feel for her. So, um, that were you able to? pull that to that fact article together in the uh on the fly or did were you working on it weeks in ahead or no um basically what i do every morning every year for the tony nominations um i watch them i talk to you and then i upload all of them i i hand type all of the nominations into our Tony Award database so you can see them on our scorecard. That takes me a couple hours. Mm -hmm. And then I answer the dozens of emails that I've avoided while doing that. And then I get started on that. So um, fortunately, James, I talk about theater for 15 to 20 minutes every day. So I kind of know everybody who's involved. So I have an idea as what's going on. So I go back and I look at, I, I go through Twitter. Um, like I said, I, this is not something that I do all on my own. I uh, feature a lot of things that other people have mentioned, uh, as well. But, um, and then I just go through Wikipedia and go through the Tonys and kind of like find, Oh, Hey, that's something that's interesting. Um, so, uh, so yeah, it's kind of the nerdy, red string things that I always do here, just uh, with a little bit more focus. So uh, before we move on, I, I, I wanted to let, let the listeners know, because I, I got a, a, a bunch of messages and we had some uh, some tweets at us and Facebook stuff and various other communication channels that we were really not going after BB New Earth. We love BB New Earth. No, we were using her as our shield. Yes. Are you exactly. kidding me? Exactly. So uh, um, Adam Feldman over timeout, our, our, our friend Adam Feldman, he, he posted this thing that I had never seen before. Robert Ra Goulet. Robert Goulet announced that Dream Fingers won the Tony Award for the 19... <laughs> 82 best musical <laughs> dream fingers. Oh, well, so, and, I mean, certainly that, you know, anything else, you know, no, that look, takes the cake. I, I, I'm almost ready to just assume that it's actually Oscar Hammerstein because that's what BB Newworth said. I'm yeah. Was yeah. Not, not faulting her. I was, I would think that Oscar Hammerstein is wrong. 
No, exactly. <laughs> uh, but not only that, not only that, James, but uh, just to show that we are, are completely pro people accidentally mispronouncing names. Uh, if you check out my Twitter yesterday, I retweeted the great and the good and the wonderful Catherine McPhee. Yeah, finally saying right. SpongeBob correctly three times into the camera just to prove that she could a year later. So, no, we were definitely not going after BB. Uh, we were saying samesies, BB, samesies. All right, so let's move forward into uh, Public Relations 101. Do not announce a new show the morning before the Tony Award nominations. Right. We didn't talk about this yesterday because we had other stuff to do. Exactly. So, Laura Linney to return to Broadway this winter. Yeah, so this is catching up on the biggest story that we missed yesterday because on Monday, the Manhattan Theater Club announced that four-time Tony nominee Laura Linney will return to Broadway in January of 2020 in the American premiere of Elizabeth Strout's My Name is Lucy Barton. The adaptation by, Mon uh, by Rona Monroe will be directed by Richard Iyer and will begin performances at the Samuel J. Friedman Theater. Listen to these dates, James. On January 6th of next year, Ahead of a January 15th opening. That is quite the unusually uh, unusually quick turnaround. Um, so wonder what's going on there. Um, in the show, Lenny's character, Lucy Barton, wakes up after an operation to find, much to her surprise, her mother at the foot of her bed. They haven't seen each other in years. During their days-long visit, Lucy tries to understand her past works to come to terms with her family, and begins to find herself as a writer. Further casting will be announced shortly, um, as well will be one more show in MTC's Broadway season, which will come to the Freedmen in the spring. I would think that Laura Linney's got a hard out at the back end of that contract, that she's got something else, and they need to get an X number of performances in after opening night to do whatever. I That's, yeah. you know... It, you know, nine days. You don't see nine days. <laughs> That's kind nine, of nine days of previews, which you're only going to get in eight shows or so of previews, if that. Well, and especially because this isn't like it'd be one thing if she did it in London or she did it off yeah. Broadway, uh, but this she is new to the show, so um, that'll be interesting. I mean, it's Laura Linney, so I'm sure it's fine. I'm sure she's oh, yeah. going to be great. Oh no, it's absolutely. Just, it's just kind of a weird scheduling thing. Well, and don't forget that the first night reviewers, you know, yeah, January, they're going to be just, you know, they're going to be seeing a show that's been up on its feet for four, four performances or so before yeah. the opening Very night. Odd. Uh, so, yeah, that's interesting. We'll have to keep our eyes on that. What do we have in the show and casting news recap? Okay, so James, I've got a bunch of stuff. Uh, I'm a, well, not a bunch. I've got like four or five things, but um, some of them are a little bit more in depth than others. So if you want to chat about any of them, just let me know. But fresh off of their two major Tony nominations, they just had two nominations, but they were big ones. What the Constitution Means to Me announced another this time final extension. The show will add another five full weeks playing through August 24th at the Helen Hayes Theater. The show was originally slated to play just through June 9th. They already announced the five-week extension, or five or six actually, uh, through July 21st. They will now close just about three weeks before previews begin for Tracy Letts' Linda Vista in that same house, which, coincidentally, hasn't yet announced a cast. So, um... I assume we'll be getting that at some point in the uh, nearish future. 
Um, next up, the New York Theater Workshop on Monday announced more shows in their 2019-2020 season. Joining the previously announced Run Boy Run and In Old Age, two shows by Infonisa uh, Udofia will be Sanctuary City by Martina Mayuk, which was originally announced as part of this season, and then they uh, they pushed it back a year. Um, and the one that's super-duper exciting, a stage adaptation of John Carney's musical film Sing Street. John Carney is the writer and director behind Once. Um, if you don't know this movie, you need to watch it immediately. It is so wonderfully sweet and touching. Um, back in the Some Like It Pop days, Jen and I both had this at the top of our year-end movie list um, a couple years ago. It tells the story of a group of kind of nerdy teenagers in Ireland in 1985 who form a band to impress a girl. It's just delightful. Uh, the stage version will be will feature the music from the movie by John Carney and Gary Clark. Enda Walsh will write the book. Rebecca Tachman will direct, and Sonia Taya will choreograph. I am so, so, so excited about this one. There will be one more show announced for NYTW season, and James, I don't know what it is, but I've been led to believe that it is pretty exciting uh, from somebody who would know. So uh, we will uh, let you know as soon as we hear about that. Uh, speaking of exciting, the Old Vic over in London announced its new season or parts of its new season. Uh, and I'm going to go through the highlights. Uh, the King and Queen from the first two seasons of Netflix's The Cl uh, the Crown, Claire Foy and Matt Smith, will make their Old Vic debuts in Duncan Macmillan's Lungs, directed by artistic director Matthew Warchus. And big time one here, Alan Cumming and Daniel Radcliffe will star in a double bill of Samuel Beckett's Endgame and Rough for Theater 2, both directed by Richard Jones. Uh, there's more information on the Old Vic season in the show notes. And James, Alan Cumming and Daniel Radcliffe doing Beckett. I, I mean, if it I can't imagine that that's going to die there, that's got to come over here at some point, doesn't it? Uh, as long as they do it with a Jersey accent, they should uh, definitely transfer. Definitely, definitely transfer. Definitely. Um, <laughs> uh, although Endgame, I I think people might still be uh, mm. a little emotional with that word. But anyway, finally, James, this one's super interesting. Uh, at the Tribeca Film Festival last week, uh, actress, comedian, and writer Sarah Silverman announced that her 2010 memoir, The Bedwetter, would be turned into a musical. By Josh Harmon and, and Adam Schlesinger. Josh Harmon. Yeah, and that it will play at the Atlantic Theater next year with an announcement coming uh, in a few weeks. If you don't, uh, I, I think a lot of people know Josh Harmon, uh, Bad Jews. Um, did he do Significant Other as well? Yeah. Um, but uh, Adam Schlesinger, you might not know that name. He does have a Broadway credit Tony nomination for um, uh, Cry Baby. He's also um, one of the uh, members of the band Fountains of Wayne, but um, he is also one of the um, – writers and executive music producer for crazy ex-girlfriend. So basically him and Rebecca and uh, Rachel Bloom write all of the songs um, for crazy ex-girlfriend or wrote for crazy ex-girlfriend. So someone who has definitely been honing his craft with a comedian uh, comedian lately. So I think this kind of makes a ton of sense. So uh, I have no idea what a Sarah Silverman memoir called the bedwetter is going to sound like as a musical, but I'm kind of into it. 
so uh, can't Shane Marshall Brown uh, reel in Sarah Silverman here, you know, stomping on his uh, parade there uh, for <laughs> public relations announcements for Atlantic Theater Company? <laughs> I, I mean, look, I think it's her book. She can do whatever the hell she wants. Sorry, Shane. You and Jim Bick got to uh, uh, deal with that one. Yeah, that's uh, contain that. Contain that. So uh, I know what uh, Project X is over at the uh, over at oh. New York Theater Workshop. Do you really, or is this a joke? Do I ever joke? Well, depends <laughs> on your definition of joke. Written, directed, and starring Hasselhoff. That's all I gotta say. This is this is New York Theater <laughs> Workshop, not German Theater Workshop. <laughs> all right, Matt, why don't you get us out of here? All right, thanks for listening to Today on Broadway. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter at Broadway Radio. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at BWWMatt. You know, we'd be more likely to get Hasselhoff on the podcast than some other diva. My name is James Marino from BroadwayRadio.com and BroadwayStars.com, but we know that she does podcasts now. Thanks for spending oh. some of your Wednesday with us. Ah. And <laughs> Matt and I will be back and talk with you tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny.